Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Fourth Degree Podcast. Um, hey, great news. Well, the birds are back. Uh, I guess we're babysitting them again. Although they're not really making a lot of noise. They're not chirping. There's this thing they grind their beaks on, and they're grinding their beaks on it. Anyway, the birds are back, and I welcome them. The other thing is, this podcast is actually doing surprisingly well. It's actually, we're just out of the top 50 in Canada for, like, the segment that we fit in. And we haven't been advertising at all. Or we haven't been promoting at all. We haven't even been announcing our episodes as they come up. So thanks a lot for all of you that are listening and start telling people because if this little podcast can kind of gain a little bit of popularity isn't that fantastic you know reward me for all my hard work i do there's very little else in my life that's good let's uh let's kick off the podcast welcome to the fourth degree podcast tales from purgatory a jury recently found old Donald Trump guilty of sexually abusing E. Jean Carroll in a civil trial and ordered him to pay $5 million, U.S. Apparently, the former president of the United States and the leading Republican candidate for the role in 2024 forced himself on the victim in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room in 1996. In his defense, Trump said that he had no idea who the woman was and she wasn't his type anyway. There was a time when such a revelation would end someone's political career. Well, Trump's polling dropped a wee little bit nationally, but when it comes to support for being the GOP nominee in 2024, it went up. We just got through Mother's Day and predictably there was a lot of controversy. This one is hard to get your finger on though. Some people feel that we should call Mother's Day Parents' Day because not all moms are women or... Something like that. Others feel that the holiday is too commercial and miss the point. Finally, some people feel that Mother's Day should be abolished because not all children have mothers or even parents. What about the foster children and the orphans, they cried? It would seem to the ignorant that the goal of the truly woke is to replace smiles and happiness with baleful looks and guilt. And I can't make sense of it anymore. Old Lady Mac and I had a long chat about this the other day. It started with her sharing a post from some woke person bragging about how brave they were for letting their son wear a skirt to Home Depot. Uh, and it was a really little kid, I should say. It wasn't like his 32-year-old son. It was like his 6-year-old son. Their harshest criticism, uh, like the woke person's harshest criticism, was for the supposed far-right cave people that seemed a bit uncomfortable with the skirt-wearing child. The concern wasn't the skirt. Who cares about that? It was about the fact that the parents seem to have done it for social media cred. Whether or not you support little boys in skirts, is this really something you post on your social media? He's not a brave little kid. He's innocent. And there's a difference. Our conversation touched on a few other things. Old Lady Mac's apparent distaste for feminism, oddly enough, or the uh, toxic masculinity psyop, as she calls it. We chatted about a Canadian man that left his family of seven kids so he could be free to identify as a six-year-old girl. She believes, Old Lady Mac that is, that many gender identity issues in the world right now are due to men's failures, and God's punishment is that women and children must lead them. <laughs> oh, that Old Lady Mac. I don't know about that, but it's best to stay on her good side. So I mumbled a few mm-hmms, and we kept on. I will say that she and I do share a lot of opinions about things that would get us a lot of heat from the woke crowd. Also, we share many opinions that would get us a lot of heat from the anti-woke crowd. I am very confident that if I were to share them, most of you would agree, but some of you would not. There are those of you that would read an opinion of ours and instantly scream, what? Are you crazy? Because this is what you do. 
you hear something that slightly misaligns with your narrow worldview and your amygdala slams into action. Your pituitary glands start pumping out adrenaline and cortisol. Your heart rate and blood pressure go through the roof. Your prefrontal cortex and anterior cingulate cortex practically shut down. This turns you into an animal with no impulse control or emotional and aggression regulation. So you snarl and scream insults wildly like a madman. Further, you surround yourselves with others who share your opinion and you all plot wild treachery against all those who disagree with you. We will stomp them like bugs. It's the only way. But so what? For every person that shares your opinion, there is someone that disagrees with you. The only important opinions belong to those mad enough to stand on soapboxes and scream them into the crowd. Or use carefully curated images of their own children along with sugar-coated words that demonize dissent. Woke? Anti-woke? Eh, it doesn't matter. What's the point, you may all be wondering? Well, so did old lady Mac and I. You see, we do not take all of this at face value. We know that this world is not real. It's not reality. It simply can't be. It makes no sense. We have figured out that this is purgatory, and we are all here being tested to see if we are going to heaven or hell. The fact is, the key to not going crazy and throwing in with the stupid, greedy, and ignorant masses is to understand that you are not supposed to agree with everything in purgatory. A lot of what you see, day to day, is just bullshit meant to test you. I suggest this rises to a number close to 100% if you are looking at any type of media, including social media. So do not fall for it. It's that easy. Don't get angry and feel the need to join the Malay. Have your own opinions and beliefs and motivations. Don't get sucked into the prevailing wisdom of the fickle and strident minority. Next time you hear or see something ridiculous, call it out for what it is, a test of your character, and respond accordingly. Sure, you can match the tone and timbre of the issue and scream your opinion back at it. You can fan the flames and raise the intensity, or you can make fun of it. But don't forget, you don't have to do anything. You're free to do what the rest of us do. Just ignore it. You don't have to have an opinion on everything here in Purgatory. A lot of these tests, you can just let them float on by. Enjoy the weirdness for what it is. Stop responding. Instead, have a drink, go for a walk, shoot a gun. I don't know, do whatever you do that gets you off. Do the things that bring you joy and make you smile. I'm convinced that this is the best way to get through our time in Purgatory, for better or worse. Weird news. Okay, it's been another weird week, so let's get into it. This first tale is so bizarre, it'll make you question, well, maybe not everything. Well, maybe it won't make you question anything. I don't know, I was trying to be dramatic there. Uh, you see, the other day, during the coronation of King Charles III, the Welsh composer Sir Carl Jenkins was mistaken for none other than Meghan Markle in disguise. You heard it right, folks. Meghan Markle herself. That's who they thought Sir Carl Jenkins was. Meghan Markle in disguise. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were a 79-year-old Welsh composer, I'd be flattered that someone thought I was a duchess in disguise. Who wouldn't want to be mistaken for royalty? But alas, Sir Carl, ever the gentleman, decided to set the record straight in a TikTok video, which, let's be honest, is the only way to address anything serious these days. Sir Carl, decked out in a black jacket with a medal around his neck and sporting some mighty fine tinted sunglasses explained that he was indeed at the coronation because he'd written music for the service. However, some folks just couldn't shake the idea that they'd stumbled upon a real scoop. Meghan Markle, dressed as Sir Carl Jenkins, uh, maybe attempting to steal the crown jewels or something. To which Sir Carl quipped, I look this way all the time. Pretend I had a Welsh accent when I said that. I look this way all the time. I don't know. 
Anyway, Sir Carl's got a sense of humor, I'll give him that. But it wasn't just his looks that got people talking. No, no, it was his mustache too, which he's had since he was 18 years old. And to top it all off, Andrew Lloyd Webber himself confirmed that Sir Carl was not Meghan Markle, nor did he possess any hidden jewels. Case closed, right? Well, of course not. You see, Sir Carl's followers couldn't help but make fun of the situation. Comments kept rolling in like, This is just what Meghan Markle in disguise would say. And, Don't worry, we won't tell on you, Meg. And so the legend of Sir Carl Jenkins, the 79-year-old Welsh composer who may or may not be Meghan Markle in disguise, lives on. What a time to be alive. In a world where people can mistake a respected musician for a duchess undercover at a coronation, anything's possible. So next time you're at a fancy event, don't forget to keep an eye out for the duchess. Duchess of Sussex. She could be hiding in plain sight. She could be disguised as a waiter, or, or the bathroom attendant, or your favorite composer. Okay, this next one's a little weird. I mean, they're all kind of weird. It's weird news, but this one makes me a little uncomfortable. Uh, and it would make even the most hardened of Fellini's characters blush. It comes straight from the heart of Europe, the Czech Republic. Actually, is the Czech Republic really the heart of Europe? God, I, I get so into it when I'm writing and I try to be really dramatic. And then I read what I wrote and I'm like, I kind of sound like an asshole. Anyway, it comes from the Czech Republic, where a certain 30-year-old man found himself in the throes of a desire so potent, so electric, it wound up being his last. Picture this. A quiet home in the Czech Republic... A place where the most exciting thing to happen is the annual potato harvest. Yet, within these benign walls, a saga of the bazaar was unfolding. Our protagonist, let's call him Franz, was just your average guy. He lived at home with his folks, probably a fan of dumplings and beer, and he had a particular fondness for ping-pong balls, and wearing women's swimsuits, and electrical... <laughs> and electrical massage devices. His curious cocktail of hobbies collided in a tragic tragic ballet one fateful night when Franz decided to indulge in a bit of self-pleasure, as we all do from time to time. Picture him there, adorned in a one-piece woman's swimsuit, his body wrapped in an intricate lattice of plastic and fabric. His parents, bless their hearts, were blissfully unaware of Franz's descent into weirdness, and they knocked on his door to no response. The firefighters were called, for this was not a door to be opened by mere mortals. Upon breaching the sanctity of Franz's bedroom, they found the poor man sprawled on the floor, the still-humming massage device tethered to the wall socket, and an odd protrusion sticking out of his ass. It was a ping-pong ball, to be precise, held in place by a plastic cylinder. Yeah, in, in his ass. The official cause of death, as reported by the medical professionals with a sardonic twinkle in their eyes, was accident accidental electrocution due to autoerotic manipulation. Now I know what you're thinking. This whole story makes less sense than that time Julia Roberts was dating that weird-looking country singer. Uh, you remember his name? He was in the 80s, I think, early 90s? A while ago, I guess. Kyle? Lyle? Lyle Lovett, that's it, Lyle Lovett. The whole story makes less sense than that time Julia Roberts was dating Lyle Lovett. But folks, I assure you, this is as real as it gets. The post-mortem, conducted 48 hours later, revealed more about Franz's fateful night. Besides the expected internal organ congestion, swelling in the lungs and brain, and blood trapped in the heart chambers, there was a mysterious item found in his intestine. A fancy condom of all things, and I didn't make that up, that's actually in the report that I read. It's a fancy condom, preserved in a translucent box, marked with Franz's first name. Now let me be clear folks, this isn't some cheap twisted joke. This is a cautionary tale, a reminder of the risks of inserting objects into your a-hole or your b-hole. Isn't that funny that your a-hole 
and your b-hole are the same thing. Anyway, if you must, it is recommended that you use objects with a flared base for such explorations, advice Franz might have found handy in his final moments. In the end, Franz's particular demise makes for a darkly comedic anecdote, but let's not forget the man behind the ping-pong ball. He was a son, a friend, a ping-pong enthusiast, and a part-time cross-dresser. Surely he was a man of unique tastes, an adventure in the realm of pleasure, and his tragic end serves as a reminder to all to play safe and to always unplug the electrical devices before the real fun begins. Alright, we got one more here, folks. This time, we're going on a trip to Portland State University. Good old PSU, a place where cotton candy and temporary tattoos are considered tools of academic defense. Hold on tight, because uh, it's about to get wild. Actually, it's going to get the opposite of wild. It's going to get very, very mild. Portland State University has just issued a statement that might make Willy Wonka green with envy. The university is taking a stand against a group of gender-critical activists intending to visit the campus. How are they going to do that? Well, they're going to set up safe spaces. Uh, yeah, safe spaces with cotton candy, coloring books, crafts, and of course, temporary tattoos. And no, you didn't misread that. And yes, these are adult university students we're talking about. Now, the university president, Stephen Percy, is not just a fan of whimsical carnival treats. In his statement, he mentions the rise of anti-trans bills across the U.S., doubling since last year, with 38 new laws in 13 states. Percy's solution? Let's crank up the uh, sweetness, add a dash of color, and prepare to face these protesters with cotton candy. PSU, being a beacon of safety for the LGBTQIA+, and here in Canada we also add in a 2S. Anyway, uh, they're a beacon of safety for the community and they're taking their duties seriously. They are well aware of the toll this campaign and the surrounding media can have on the queer and trans members of the community. And their response? A daily trans and gender expansive celebration and community hour hosted by the Queer Resource Centre or the QRC as they like to be called. This isn't your average university meet and greet. Although, I don't know, maybe at PSU it is. It's uh, an extravaganza complete with cotton candy, temporary tattoos, and coloring books. Take that, protesters! The QRC itself, in a follow-up statement, has alerted the community of the imminent arrival of the anti-trans protesters. They have expressed that these provocateurs are not interested in productive dialogue, well, no kidding, but rather in creating clickbait material. According... <laughs> They're not interested in productive dialogue. Is the QRC? Anyway, according to the QRC, the best strategy against these individuals is to, you know, ignore them. Create a safe space. Get a little cotton candy, coloring book, and, uh, ignore it. One individual, Elston, who travels across the U.S. and Canada to call out radical left policies using billboards, has called the university's actions lunacy and humorously commented, Wow! Imagine having conversations on a university campus, he further adds. Triggered university students are invited for cotton candy coloring and stick-on tattoos, expressing his disbelief at PSU's unique approach to dealing with the situation. Former PSU professor Peter Bogue... Jeez, why is everybody's names hard to say? Why can't I have a Smith? Peter Bagassian, resigned due to the university's alleged anti-free speech policies, also chimed in. He points out that the conversation should not be about denying healthcare to trans people, but about the potential downsides and irreversible damage, particularly to children. He communicated his thoughts, of course, through a meme. Because hey, why not keep things interesting? It seems only fitting in a story that involves cotton candy as a tool of resistance. So there you have it, folks. In the face of controversy, Portland State University has chosen to wield the mighty power of safe spaces, carnival treats, and childhood pastimes. Whether this approach will prove effective remains to be seen. But one thing is for sure, 
At PSU, sugar-coated conversations are not just a metaphor, they're a literal reality. So if you're ever feeling a bit contentious, maybe reach for the cotton candy, a blanket, a coloring book, and just deal with life the PSU way. Hot steak. In a world filled with heated debates, divisive ideologies, and relentless polarization, it's time to challenge the norm and advocate for an unpopular opinion. People should stop talking about politics. It may sound radical, but let's take a step back and consider the merits of this idea. Politics has long been deemed a sensitive and divisive topic, and the current state of society's division is largely fueled by the contentious disagreements that arise from political discourse. By refraining from political discussions, we can redirect our energy toward fostering unity, empathy, and constructive dialogue that transcends ideological boundaries. Now I know that sounds crazy, and probably something not a lot of people are interested in, but that's why this is a hot take. The rise of social media and the 24-7 news cycle has transformed political discussions into fierce battlegrounds. People are bombarded with opinionated content that often caters to extreme viewpoints. This leads to echo chambers reinforcing pre-existing bias. Instead of facilitating meaningful conversations, these platforms foster animosity and deepen divisions among individuals. Moreover, political discussions often become personal attacks, stripping away the humanity of those involved. People tend to categorize others based on their political beliefs, leading to an us-versus-them mentality that further erodes any kind of social cohesion. Friendships and family relationships are strained, and society becomes increasingly fractured and divided. You know, for those of us who are maybe a little older, there was a time when discussing politics was considered impolite. This notion was rooted in the understanding that political beliefs are deeply personal and can easily incite strong emotions. Recognizing this, previous generations saw to maintain social harmony by avoiding political topics in polite conversation. Reverting to this approach may seem aggressive, but it can serve as a powerful tool for rebuilding bridges. By shifting the focus away from political debates, we can foster connections based on shared interests, experiences, and aspirations, rather than being defined solely by our political leanings. This allows us to regain a sense of civility and mutual respect, essential ingredients for a thriving society. By disengaging from political discussions, we create opportunities for empathy, understanding, and collaboration. Instead of arguing over policies or ideologies, we can focus on the issues that unite us as human beings, such as improving education, or combating poverty, or addressing climate change, or if you're somebody that I hang out with, I don't know, football, or things we did when we were younger that were funny. Anyway, by redirecting our energy towards these common goals, we can transcend political boundaries and work together for a better future. Furthermore, by refraining from political discussions, we can encourage people to seek alternative avenues for civic engagement. You know, instead of just yelling at each other uh, and relying solely on these debates, I guess we could call them, and arguments, politically motivated individuals could explore other ways to make a positive impact. They could volunteer, they could participate in community projects, or advocate for causes they believe in. This diversification of engagement channels can bring about a more inclusive and participatory democracy where people from all walks of life can contribute without fear of ideological backlash. In today's deeply divided world, it's time to challenge the status quo and recognize that excessive political discussions only widens the gaps between us. If we refrain from political debates, we can foster 
things like unity, empathy, we can get along, we can maybe become friends, we can start to understand each other, and we can pave the way for a society that transcends ideological differences. Let's redirect our energy towards common goals and find new ways to engage with each other and that encourage collaboration rather than division. It's time to put politics aside and work towards a more united future. And it's easy. A buddy of mine texted me out of the blue a little while ago and asked, who are you voting for? There's an election going on where I live and I replied with, no idea, and I didn't engage. It's that easy. It's been a generation or two since kids were raised with the advice to never discuss politics or religion in polite company. And I think it's high time we brought that back. This has been an Abilities Ablaze podcast. Find us at abilitiesablaze.com. Thank you for listening. Please listen often and like our podcast.